You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. This is Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm. Hey, what's up? This is Chadis from Hell Yeah and Mudbane. This is Ron Bumblefoot Fall. Hey, this is Barbara Ryan Wilde. And this is Daniela Clark. This is Johnny from Art of Dying. Hey, this is Mixie from Stitched Up Heart. Hey, this is Nick Reese from Joyous Bowl. Hey, this is Josh from Bad Flower. Welcome aboard. The shit making way is fuck. Hey, this is Ralph Sutton. This is Aaron Jones. What's going on, gang? Zach Wilde here. And you're listening to Making Waves, the Ship Rocks Podcast. Making Waves. Welcome to Making Waves, the Ship Rock Podcast. This is episode 58. We are part of the Sound Talent Media family and the fastest growing rock podcast in the world. And we have the numbers to back it up. Uh, we have nearly 6,000 downloads this year alone, and our community is larger and more evolved than ever. So thank you so much for your support. And remember to review, rate, subscribe, and share. Well, tonight, episode 58, brings us a multi, well, faceted, talented performer in a name. Uh, well, her name is Alicia Taylor. So Alicia, thank you so much thank for you. joining us. Thank Alicia, if, if you guys don't aren't familiar with her, she is the founder, director, manager, and well, basically the figurehead for the Cherry Bombs burlesque, and I like to say burlesque and fire act. Okay, yeah. All right. There yeah, you go. Everybody yeah. has their own interpretation, so I'm always curious to to hear what people call it. Well, I just from seeing your performances and, and being familiar with what you do, I kind of felt that was something that was like, well, you know, there's burlesque and then there's burlesque with fire, which is kind of like, you know, next level stuff. Yeah. I like to think about it as experiential. Like it's like a, it's like a it, thing that's in, in all encompasses, but like, I think you could even go like theater style on, on it. You know, so Absolutely. Like me, this is pure performance art for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, I have, I've seen it like four times, I think. So and each time it's been a different, in a different type of venue. Oh, really? Yeah. So I've seen it in small rooms at the Roxy. Uh, okay. guys, and then I was, so I was at that show and then I saw it on the Steel Panther Stone Sour tour. I've seen it at Sturgis. So, and then I see, I've seen it at another like club that you guys were on the road uh, with Stone Sour and Steel Panther. Oh, wow. Okay. Sturgis. And Sturgis. Yes. Um, which year? This year? No. no. Uh, 17 or six, uh, 18. Oh man. Okay. My band played, um, at the time, I forget the room. We didn't play the Buffalo chip, but I believe that you guys were performing at the Buffalo chip, whatever the opposite of the Buffalo chip was we were performing. That okay. Yeah. Okay. We were at a venue called Glencoe that year. Then, um, that's wow. Did you see <laughs> Yeah. This is where I get murdered. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Get out of him. <laughs> Would you rather? <laughs> well, so you guys, Cherry Bombs, just got off the road. Uh, you just finished up a summer tour with uh, with Corey Taylor at CMFT. Is it CMFT? Yeah. Corey? Yeah, is it, it's CMFT. Yeah, it's Corey motherfucking Taylor. Corey Taylor, there you go. That and is Corey it. is your husband, so that must have been a nice family, uh, little family outing there. 
But yeah. uh, and then you guys are, I guess, coming up. The next big thing is going to well, it's a huge thing is the Not Fest show in L.A. Yeah, which I ask you with, with a show that size and a building that size. How do you guys transfer what you do to a larger crowd like that? How do you guys work that out? Do you plot it differently than you would like a theater or an arena show? Absolutely. Um, All of our shows um, kind of change depending on the room that we're in. Um, As as you saw, Chad, Um, if it's smaller, we scale things down. If it's bigger, we can go as big as the room will let us, you know, regarding safety and all that stuff. So it wouldn't, it won't be uh, not unlike not fest Mexico and Bogota. When we went down there, those were really big stages as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but I have some little surprises up my sleeve for, for LA for sure, uh, that we haven't done before. So, and, and they're going to be big and massive and really cool to see, I think. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I just let my imagination run wild. And when I have a big stage like that, it's so much fun because my aerialists, you know, the higher they are, the better they are and the more fun they're having, you know, when you have rig points that are 40 feet in the air, they can do the unthinkable from that height. It's great. And they can do bigger props and make these incredible the fun really comes in. It sounds very much like you're thinking, well, what would Rammstein do if they were us? <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would like to get in a room with Till and just, you know, bad you ideas got? You, you, We've got women flying above us at 40 feet. What would you do? i shoot them out the sky fire. with fire. Everything on fire. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be the phoenix floating down. Which is actions. kind of what we've done. You know, we, we made an apparatus. I engineered it and I was like, it's an aerial apparatus and it goes in there. And I said, well, can we just set this thing on fire? And my, my aerialist was like, I think so. And I was like, okay, let's just try it. <laughs> so might be a one and done, but let's just give it a go. But hey, let me ask we'll you. So you, 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 you basically built this contraption. Do you have any kind of background in engineering, physics, or mathematics in order to do such a thing? No, but I do understand. I do work with fabricators and their, that's their department. So I bring them my ideas and my sketches. Mm-hmm. And I make sure that the sizing is appropriate for the performer. And we make sure we use materials that are appropriate for the weight and the height and the, the dynamic loads that these performers are going to be putting on these apparatuses. So drops and spinning and all these kinds of things. Um, so there is a little bit of a science element to it. That's really mm-hmm. fun. Um, but I don't claim to be a scientist by any means. Well, no, I understand. You, you, obviously, you bring your ideas and they kind of realize yeah. it for you. I yeah. think it's it's also just listening to that and talking about weight loads and like that. It's just people tend to forget about all the physics that go into such an act. It's not like, like hey, we're just going to knock out a few numbers here. There's a lot going on here that, that, that does obviously walk the fine line of being dangerous. But that's Absolutely. part of like, that's why we're bringing you this show. And that's why you really should appreciate it, because some of them could leave here like limping. If you so Working, broken neck. So let me ask you, have you ever been injured during one of your shows? I like, other than a twisted ankle, something a little okay. bit more severe. No, um, I'm very, very knock on wood. Very, very lucky. I guess I'll do it too as well. This is what yeah, there you go. Yeah. I'm sure you minor, minor burns here and there that come with it, you know, inside of your mouth <laughs> if you're eating fire in the wind. 
Um, you know, I've, I've caught my eyelashes on, on fire when I was eating fire again in the wind. I set a drum kit on fire by breathing fire once. And I, this piece of hair just came down right in front of me and it caught that. But that's where all minor stuff. I, I love the, the wind is your worst you, enemy. Yeah, like, wind? You better, you ever like throw a blaze of grass before you do it? Like you're, you know, you're hitting a nine iron from the fairway. I better check what the winds do. <laughs> yeah. I do. I watch the wind. Um, yeah. But then I'm like, I'll be fine. <laughs> is your least favorite movie Gone with the Wind? I'll leave it. Quest, quest for fire. Yeah. I have yeah. a question about the, um, here's, here's my, since I've seen it so many in so many different like types of rooms and you've yeah. toured with it now. Um, and as a person who's spent the majority of my uh, finer years on the road, those 30 or 40 days that they are in a row and each room is different. How are you looking in, Again, the stage size is different. So are you looking at it like getting prod production specs in, or are you looking at it like, okay, if this is my, if I know the headliner, for instance, in, on the Stone Sour Tour, if I know that this is how much space I get on stage every night, that's my confines. But if you walk into a room, for instance, that you've never you know, been into before and you see, oh shit, there's hang points here. Do you on the fly start, do you bring that on the road? I guess is what I'm asking. How do you? Yeah, do we kind of attack it from both ends. Obviously the advancing stage is really important when it comes to our show. And I'm a part of that as is um, one of my techs. And that's when we really get the nitty gritty on as far as numbers go with stage size and stage heights. And if they have rig points and where they're located um, and how high is the stage, that sort of thing. And so that at least gives me kind of a blueprint on what I'm going to get into when I get there. A lot of times we get there and it is not the same as we are told. Um, but the headliner, we do, we, we get a heads up on how much space do you think you guys need to your drum riser? And, and then that gives me a, an approximate amount of space that I can work with. And depending on the distance that we have or the depth that we have, I should say, um, that will allow me to determine, okay, we're going to strike this. We're going to do this here. Maybe we try and get an aerial point or find one in the audience that's safe. Um, maybe we take our fire down to three performers instead of five, yada, yada, yada. So, um, and, and we bring everything when we, when we load in and or when we head out for a tour, we bring all of our rigging equipment, all of our fire equipment. We bring absolutely everything for every scenario that we walk into. Yeah. So that, that leads into my, that's, that's obviously great planning. And also, um, communication is key there, but when you're on the situations where, well, how many people do you bring on the road, um, in that scenario as performers and are they revolving, um, like, a revolving cast and then what about your your actual crew is there like a situation where you like scale up and down yeah um that comes down to budget really um yeah. as as it usually does um with performers depending on the length of time that we can perform usually determines how many performers so if we're performing for an hour I, I like more performers. It, I'm able to create a show that feeds performers in and out at different times. So it gives them breaks and time to change wardrobe while other things are going on. Um, so typically I like to do a show between five and seven performers. I'm not a fan of doing things with less than five because for me, visually, the, sh the formations and the shapes you can make with even numbers, just I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of. Um, so I like to stick between five and seven with crew you know, we never had crew until 
really until that stone sour run, um, which was in 2017. And we had one, we had one crew member. Um, before that we were it, we load in, load out, we set our stuff up, we take it down, we rig, we de-rig, we do everything. Um, and I, in a weird way, that's kind of a good thing because it's important for everybody to know what's happening. Yeah. Um, can, can I ask you when you're awesome. growing up, we all have pivotal moments in rock and roll. Uh, obviously with pyro and production, mine was when my age was basically, it opened up the gatefold of kiss alive too. And there it is in all its glory. Like, Holy shit. What did they just do? Uh, was there something like for you, maybe like, Hey, is it a Motley show or an Alice Cooper show where you're like, wow, the pyro is pretty badass. I think I want that in my life. Or were you just a pyro maniac when you were growing up? I'm just I mean, curious. I, I kind of was a, a little weird kid. I was, <laughs> I didn't have like, no. big, like when I was like 12 and 13, I had all these candles and I don't know if you guys remember this, but like Hot Topic used to sell this candle that would, would drip. It was white and it would drip colors when it melted. Mm -hmm. Do you remember this? Did it drip blood? Hot it? Topic. So definitely, definitely. Oh, did you really? okay. Chad, yeah, Chad did. And Spencer's Gifts. I was like, a oh, all right. So <laughs> I don't know. If did you work at Journeys too? I did. I managed it. Seriously. Who are you? <laughs> that guy. Yeah. <laughs> a bad employee. <laughs> yeah. You had a genre though. You definitely worked the circuit. Yeah. So I, I grant yes. so, but yeah. Alicia, so that you you're so growing up you felt you you know you didn't feel you were like a little weird, like candles and kind of yeah, Hello Kitty and macabre kind of stuff. But was there like a like a moment in like being a rock and roll and, and metalhead as you are? Was there a time where like was there a certain instance in that aspect of things where you're like, wow, that's so fucking cool? And you kind of I store it in your head and go, and then years later, that becomes part of what your life is. I never knew that I would fall in love with fire. Um, really at all. I, I never, it never hit me until I actually tried it. Um, so when I was really young, I used to take all sorts of, all sorts of different types of dance. I've done every type of dance you can imagine. And one of the types that I've learned was Tahitian and hula. And mm. it was the poi balls in that. And that was, you know, I was, um, really good at it at the time. And so that was the first prop that I gravitated to. I was like, okay, well let's try adding fire to our show. And one of my, um, performers, Constance was a magician's assistant for like 15 years before that. Right. So she's like circus and she knew all the fire arts, fire safety, eight fire, all the things. So she said, okay, I'll teach you. And we were looking at props and she started showing me, well, first she taught me all the safety and then once I had that underneath my belt, we started playing with props and I just felt really comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't have a fear. I had a respect, but I just felt just, it just came really naturally to me, um, to, to manipulate it and perform with it. And so, um, I started with poi and then I went to fans and, and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. So yeah, I just kind of accidentally. Fire's an un fire's an un into it out of curiosity, really. Yeah, fire's an unusual thing. I mean, we love the flame of a candle or a, a, a fire place or fire pit, but then you get to that point where you get to the dangerous aspect of what fire is, and then, then not so much romance anymore. But I was curious. Obviously, we wanted to get to your ability to fire breathe. Was this something you ever? Obviously, you you, you had instruction um, 
from someone, but was there ever a time where you're like, Hey, maybe you should give Gene Simmons a call. (laughs) Yeah. I fire breathing is one of the most dangerous fire acts you can perform just because there's so many things that can go wrong when you do it. And I'm sure you've seen a YouTube video of it going wrong. Sure. There and, you know, Gene. <laughs> Gene. Yeah. Gene. Um, and, and as I progressed with fire, I just wanted more and I wanted it to be bigger and I wanted to do bigger things. And I'm just always like pushing myself to see how far I can go. And I really kind of like that with everything. Um, just a little bit of an extremist, I guess. And so I just, that was to me was like the biggest, best thing I could think of at the time. Um, so I really started honing that in and I love it. It's, it's the coolest feeling in the world just to see this giant fireball in front of your face and it comes back and it starts to, to kiss you back. It's weird. Um, and it sounds so loud. Oh, I just, I, I don't even know how you concentrate on anything else besides that ball of, you know, 1100 degree yeah. heat. <laughs> but it's very romantic it, when you, it is. When you, yeah, yeah. That's what I took yes. away from the, you know, the she's like, she's like, like speaking, she, dancing. She is, she is the queen of the dragons. Um, oh, mother, <laughs> mother, the mother of the dragons. Yeah. So I, it's funny, interesting when you talk about dance and fire, we always, we do think about the islands. We think about the, the, the Tongan dancers and the, you know, the ones in Fiji and everything like that. You know, you see obviously Hawaii as well. Um, so it's super interesting to see that you guys have almost kind of have that aspect, but you're tattooed and your metal and all these other aspects of modern culture. So yeah, it's interesting. Thanks. Yeah. 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 Um, you just got off the road, right? Like recently, you guys were on the road? Yeah, we got home. Uh, oh my gosh. Feels like forever. Um, yeah, about two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Yeah, I had, um, if you don't mind me asking, how did it feel uh, given the state of things? And I have a parlay into a second question about venues and all of the restrictions that are in place yeah. at this point. Um, so I guess we can start there. Like um, we haven't gotten to speak to many artists who have done like, like multiple dates, for instance, you know, um, since we've started the podcast, first of all, I'd love to know what was it like in those rooms? <laughs> Depending on the room. Uh, yeah. Um, so we did two legs of this tour. We had the first one in May and June, and that was about 25 dates um, over 33 days. It was, it was a pretty intense tour, three on one off the entire time. And then we had the second leg, which is the most recent one, which was eight dates for cherry bombs. It was seven because unfortunately we had to cancel the show. Um, and so it was a very short run, but that one felt like forever. Um, so, you know, and they were two totally different feeling tours because on the first one, when Corey and I were planning that in like January, February, it was a much different time with COVID. Right. And, um, we thought, okay, well, how can we bring live events back? How can we do this safely? How can we do this responsibly? And so we said, okay, we're going to do temp checks at the door. We're going to do mass required. We're going to do, um, low capacity, 25 to 30% capacity, socially distanced groups. They can be in little play pens or whatever. Um, and no meet and greets. Um, we're in a bubble, all the things, right. Yep. And we were very, um, we were very stringent on those, on those requirements that we wanted. We actually wanted, um, a negative COVID test and, or, and, or vaccination required, but then we were told, no, you can't say that that's illegal. You can't do that. And remember, this is before like Latin was like 
or AG or any of these like current things that are happening are in place. So it's really interesting because things were just changing so rapidly. I think as we all kind of know with the virus. So when we, we were like, okay, well we can work with what we, we, we got. So we did the temp checks and the, and the um, masks required and all that. And that first leg was really great. I felt really good about it. There were some rooms that were a little uh, questionable as far as uh, the audience and social distancing, but for the most part, they were, they were really great Um, because it was reduced capacity. It wasn't, it was, it was tricky, you know, um, ticket prices had to be a little bit higher, um, to make up for that sort of thing. And, and, and we, of course, all had to kind of come down and, and, and rates and things as far as money goes, because just, we just wanted to see if we could make this happen. And it was important. Yeah. ultimate guinea pigging. Yeah. So that was the first leg, second leg. So we were planning the second leg during the first one, because we were getting so many requests for booking this tour to continue. Well, at the time, the the Delta variant wasn't really a thing during that first leg. It was like, there was rumblings, but you weren't really, it wasn't really popping up a lot. You weren't really hearing about it. In fact, people were getting really optimistic. They were like, oh my gosh, like cases are going down. CDC says we don't have to wear a face mask anymore if we're vaccinated, you know? So there was a lot of information that was coming out and then changing right in between these two tours. And I mean, it was like a matter of weeks. Okay. So like, and I feel like we all felt it. Yeah. So that second leg was open. Um, it, for what I saw, it was not face mask required. Um, and I don't think they were doing temp checks at the door. It was, it was set as if things were heading on the up and up from that first leg. Um, yeah. and that felt a little scary to me. I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, not to not to poke the bear on it, but it's yeah. interesting to hear it from somebody like yourself, uh, who's been was in the room and could see the real time like transition from oh, this isn't a th- we're on our way to hold up. Wait a second, there's something going on, and um, how do we make the best of what we're able to do? Because you have this human psyche, you have the idea of what you love and the art that you're creating and presenting it the best way you can, and also the incredible responsibility of what those fans who had already purchased tickets or whatever yes. are, do you, do you reschedule who's going to have time? You know, who, who, when's that going to happen? Right. So right. I, I would assume there's gotta be super stressful. Um, and that you, I answered the other question I was going to say is like, did you guys scale down those rooms and how do they feel? And uh, you know, the pod things, for instance, in the drive-in shows, I don't know if you did any of those, but here in Michigan, I had a bunch of them scheduled, um, and then we ended up being able to open up a little bit more because of that. We were in the same situation. Now it's all the way back down. It's scary. And yeah. uh, thank you for giving us a little bit of the inside scoop. We just haven't stepped foot in that those spaces. Yeah. Right it's, it's, it's a, it's a trail that has not been blazed yet. And I think artists and everybody are trying their best to navigate this. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think anybody really knows enough about this virus or what's happening or how it's mutating and all. I don't, I just don't think, I mean, we know one thing and then it changes so quickly. So um, the best thing we can do is just adapt as best as we can, Um, you know, and and you adapt or you, or you die really. Um, 
So that's, that's just the best thing we can do at this point is just try and figure out how to maneuver this. And, and we're going to mess up along the way, right? People are going to mess up because um, this is uncharted territory um, for us. And I think everybody's just doing the best that they can, hopefully. It's a very beautiful uh, way to put it. We're going to, in, we're going to mess up. We're all humans, yeah. you know, and uh, we're just trying. So yeah, that's great. Thank you for, hey, but- for giving us the, that info. Before we go to the next uh, question I have for you, and it'll probably take a little long. I want to get this commercial break in real quick, and then we'll be going live shortly at, here after. Set up. Hey, folks, at this time, we'd like to remind you that not only are you listening to a kick-ass podcast right now, but we also produce an amazing rock-themed cruise called Ship Rocks. We'll be sailing to Costa Maya and Cozumel on the 12th voyage, voyage, sorry, voyage in January of 2022. Sail away into middle oblivion with Lamb of God, I prevail. From ashes to new, still panther, and Alicia and the Sherry Bombs. So cabins are still available, very few of them. So go to shiprock.com and pick one of those up right now or find maybe other people that are looking for a cabin mate and, and get on there and make friends before we start uh, start the cruise. So anyway, my next question, obviously we've, we've heard about the shock and awe of what the show is with the fire and your performance, but I'd like to get to the intrinsic part, which is the dancing. When did you start dancing? When did you get an interest in dancing? I, as soon as I could walk, I would just turn circles and and my father would play music really loudly in our house. And I would just grab my little Ernie doll from Bert and Ernie. And I would just, and my mother was like, okay, I get it. We got to, we got to put her in dance class. And so as soon as I hit three, went into a dance class and, and, and that was all she wrote. Never stopped. Wow. So, I mean, was it, Obviously, we'll get to a point when you decided, hey, I'm going to go into the NFL and become a cheerleader. Here. Were you dancing through high school? Was it something you were in competitions? Were you competitive or was it just like Friday night dances at the high school and you, that's where you really shown? I was a studio trained dancer my whole life. Um, studio competitions, um, performing groups, that sort of thing. And then in high school, um, my high school didn't have a dance team. And so I I started it. I created it, okay. which is weird, right? It's kind of like foreshadowing. So I, how, yeah. If I would known that that was a sign that this is what I should have done, I would have done cherry bombs a lot sooner. Um, but yeah, I created my high school's first dance team and they're still going and they like go to state every year. It's, it's really cool. Um, awesome. yeah. Do they have, a, they have a plaque up with your name on it? I don't know. I don't you're going to be the honoree at the uh, homecoming parade coming up pretty soon. So <laughs> you better prepare yeah, right, that right, speech. Right. Like you don't talk about yeah. her. No, absolutely. You're going to get that wave. Don't forget the wave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, so that's amazing. So, but so it's funny how when we think of rock and roll, people think of rebellion, we think of individuality, but you've obviously been part of this whole team at the standard with forming the dance group in high school, then going on and being part of the cheerleading group and then forming and creating a collective of, of performers for, for cherry bombs. And yeah. it sometimes goes against what the ethos of what we think of like, I'm the, I'm the loner, I'm the, I'm the metal head. I, I, no one understands me, but then you hear you are and you're like, okay, girls, <laughs> let's get to it. Let's go girls. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of let's go girls. Hey, welcome everyone on Facebook. Thank you for joining us on Facebook live. We're here with Alicia Taylor from a cherry bombs. Uh, if you guys have some questions, please let's start seeing them. Um, and, uh, we're going to continue on with our conversation with Alicia and uh, remember guys, 
best questions, they uh, you guys win big prizes. So let's get those in. And uh, again, let's continue with uh, with Chad and Alicia. So yeah, I wanted to ask like, so you've been tra- so you've been a trailblazer since the Burton Ernie days, and yeah. uh, all the way through that to high school, starting you know uh, for those that are joining us right now. Um, Alicia, there was not a competitive, I guess, a cheerleading squad at all, period. Is that what I'm understanding? Or is it just competition style cheerleading didn't exist in your school and you said, fuck it, I'm doing them. Uh, I'll be the one to start this thing. Uh, I did cheerlead in high school for two years and uh, it just wasn't for me. Um, The dancing wasn't what I like to do. Um, It was my cheerleader dancing. Um, and, and I'm more, I like to move in a different way. So, um, so that's why I, yeah, but there was a, there was a blip of a cheerleader thing. And then of course the NFL. Um, so then how did that happen from, I mean, you know, you're moving from like here, uh, you just started this whole program. I've, you graduated and you're moving uh, on to the next, uh, Bert and Ernie moment in your life, if you will. Uh, what, where did you go from high school to in between that? And I guess being a part of the Atlanta Falcons. Well, I went to college in Hawaii. Um, yeah, I lived in Hawaii and then I lived there for six years and, um, I got married to somebody in the military and then he got stationed in Georgia. So we went to Georgia and I was missing dance terribly and I was missing performance, um, performing terribly. And I thought, okay, well, I'm in Georgia. The Atlanta Falcons are here. And, and for those of you that don't know, NFL cheerleaders aren't like high school and college cheerleaders. NFL cheerleaders are really dancers with pom-poms. That's the, like, that's my best description that I can, except for, you know, there's a couple teams that do like cheerleader traditionally stuff like stunting and whatnot. Um, but no, but majority of NFL teams, they're, they're dancers. Um, they're doing technique, they're doing turns and leaps. Um, so I, and I also really like football. So I thought, okay, well, why not? I'll just go audition. And I just went for it, even though I lived a hundred miles away. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So I would drive, um, I would drive and, and just go and then rehearse two times a week, every week, and then game day. And I did that for three years. Where were you? Sorry. I don't think I understood. Where did you grow up? Did I, do we? Oh yeah. I'm kind of a a little bit of a globe charter. Um, I grew up in the Seattle area. Oh, I just got, that was where I flew in from today. Okay. Yeah. And so Seattle to Hawaii Hawaii. to Georgia. And then, so you're here, you are crushing it. Right. All the way up to this. Now you're crushing it on uh, uh, the the big field. I don't even know. I'm not a football guy. So I don't really know what, what, the, what you would call that. Uh, how long were you doing that for before you decided to change directions with your with your um, skill set? You mean like from NFL to cherry bombs? Yeah. Well, I don't I, I would I would have guessed that there was maybe some sort of transitional thing or one day did you wake up and you're like, I'm going to do this. I went now. right into it. I went oh. right into it. Yeah. Okay. Because okay. I've always been a fan of rock and metal. I was always where my heart was. And even back in like, okay, the high school dance team days, I was, we were performing to like Rob Zombie and, and stuff like that because I just dug it. I just thought it was cool. So, um, so NFL is not that right. It's, yeah. it's very much pop oriented. 
but I wasn't there for the music. I was there because I love performing and I enjoyed football and I thought, you know, and, and the community outreach part was really cool. And, but then I got, you know, you do it so long and then I could only hear Justin Bieber and Katy Perry for so long. How and long is Dante. that by the way? I, I usually go about two, <laughs> two or three spins and I'm done. How about you? I mean, it was a lot more than that. So okay. I, it was enough to, yeah, I, I, I just, there was one game in particular. I'll never forget it. It was a Christmas game. And so that's at the end of the season, right? Football season mm-hmm. um, is December. And I was holding a giant candy cane, <clears throat> you know, I was dancing on the field to like a Justin Bieber Christmas song. And I just said, this is it. This is it. This is yeah. my, nope, not, nope, yeah. I'm back. And I already started thinking, okay, like I'm good. I'm, I don't want to quit performing because I still love this, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it my way. And I just, as soon as I said, bye guys, love y'all. I'm going to go do my thing. Boom. Oh, you didn't do the classic. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. Fuck <laughs> wow. you. Drop the fucking candy cane and leave. Well, you know what? <laughs> in the Taylor Not household, Chris, Christmas must be quite interesting in the Taylor household. It just brings back all these trigger memories. Um, <laughs> So two things real quick. So it's funny you mentioned Rob Zombie because I when I think of Rob Zombie cheerleaders, I think about the video for Never Gonna Stop when it's just Rob and the band and the cheerleaders. Yeah, you know, well, Rob can do cool. no wrong in my eyes, okay? So he can Absolutely. have cheerleaders. No, I think that's great. Just a great juxtaposition of like you dancing that and going, wait, Rob uses cheerleaders. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's rad. It's, um, yeah, he's he's definitely like, right up there for me. I just really love what he does, but you're right. All right. I'm going to ask you something and you don't have to have allegiance to your former employer. You mentioned football. Who's your team? I'm split. I'm split between Seattle Seahawks and Atlanta Falcons because you know where I'm from and, and where I had really cool memories. Well, they're not the same division. So you kind of get away. I know. And they're both in the NFC. So but the playoffs must just suck for you if they're going to face each other. But just a win-win, but a lose-win. And I mean, okay, so I cheered. The years that I cheered were 2010, 11, and 12. Uh-huh. And Seattle came to the Georgia Dome. And it was the NFC Championship game. And... Did Atlanta win? Yeah, it's like, one, it's like one of two things, right? You're either like super stoked all the time because no matter what's happening, you're like, yeah, yeah. Or you're like, ah. Uh. Oh, it's a, it's a weird feeling for sure. Who do you have more jerseys? Do you have more Falcons or, or Seahawks jerseys? Uh, I probably have more Falcons because when you're true, you're a Falcon just, fan, then you're they, the Falcons win. No, they give it to you. They just dump you with all the. <laughs> Here's last night's merchandise. We need, we need to get rid of this stuff. We need to get off the inventory for taxes. Yeah. They're like, Take it. Yeah. They're like, Hey, Russell is a sponsor. You're going to get everything. <laughs> You want a beanie? Here's a beanie. Yeah, you want a beanie? Here's some socks. Here's some mittens. Right. I mean, yeah. So let's uh, let's fast forward through all of this and let's get to January of 2022. Not the cruise, but let's get to the the show coming up. Is that help me pronounce it, please? Is it Macabre? No, I want to hear you say it. Macabre. Yeah, Macabre. Macabre, Macabre. Macabre. Oh, Derek See, okay, I thought that because when I first read it, I was going, okay. I looked at it first, and I was like. McCabry, are they redoing Macbeth, but in their own special way? This is going to be super so. interesting. How very Shakespearean. This is going to be nuts. <laughs> then I started looking at it more and more. Yeah, yeah, I have a lot of balls of fire. And then I thought, well, 
okay, what? Oh, macabre. So this is almost like, it's like a post-Halloween performance. Kind of, yeah. And I, I love that because I love hearing everybody's pronunciation of it. That macabre. You know what I forgot about? I forgot about the accent. Macabaret. Macabaret. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it. cabaret and then an M A. Macabre. Okay, macabre. Sorry. Somebody called it macrame. <laughs> that should be the. That should be the uh, the the, the, uh, the logo. Part two. Yeah. Macabre. Before you get into that, we have a question from Steve, and this is actually super funny. And I didn't okay. think about it until you wrote it. Steve, you are a true gentleman. <laughs> you obviously were just recently in Vegas. You've seen Allegiant uh-huh. Stadium, right? Uh-huh. What do you he goes, what do you think of the new giant Roomba? <laughs> Which is basically this. <laughs> I will never look at it the same now. No. At first no. it was kind of like, is this like a, something out of Star Wars? Is it, you know, <laughs> it, it looks crazy. Um, but now, now all I'm going to see is a Roomba. Thanks, yeah. Steve. Yeah. Yeah. What Steve. is it? I'm sorry. I don't mean to be that the, guy. The Allegiant like, Stadium is the Las Vegas Raiders new football stadium. Uh, okay. And it looks like a giant Roomba. Oh, okay. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, it's, but I got it's, it. I it's, it's, it's architecturally beautiful. It's stunning. Uh, but and it cleans your it, floors. I don't anymore. And it bumps into walls and it drives a cat crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And occasionally beeps when it's stuck. Does the top I'm open sorry. up? Just out of curiosity, I don't, you know, I don't want to derail us here, but is it one of those? Uh, they don't, I don't, yeah, it's enclosed. I don't know if you want that sun coming up on you when you're like, you know, oh, that's third a, and 20. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that could be the secret and, weapon of how to like totally <laughs> fuck the other team. The 12th man is our, yeah, just yeah. open it up when they're on the <laughs> That's the 12th, the 12th man is the ceiling. Open <laughs> it up, Bob. Is that against any rules? Do we know if we can do that? Uh, well, there's plenty of stadiums. I mean, obviously, uh, Cowboys have an open stadium, and there's several that have it. So, but I mean, can, to, like, we, can you do it during the game? Yeah. So when we're on defense, can we just start? I think if there's a heavy rain, or like maybe the weather's a little inclement. But yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Okay. What if it's just a little stuffy in there? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is no smoking facility. It's a no smoking facility. Well, you know. Okay. Oh, no, it's a wow. fixed dome. It's a fixed story, Steve. Steve's really on it. Steve's been Dave, Steve must do fuck the tour you, every week. Steve. Everybody yeah, can have you. a little bit of fun here. Yeah, fuck you, Jesus. Steve, and your facts. <laughs> no, Christ. Next, thing you know, next thing you know, the Easter Bunny doesn't fucking exist. Yeah. Um <laughs> make some kids cry right. tonight. Anyway, I right, let's pivot back to Macabre. Macabre. Oh. Sorry. Macabre. Uh, so tell us about the show. Or don't give away too much because I know it's a live stream. It is. And we definitely want people to tune in and purchase tickets and we'll get all that information from you shortly and how they can purchase tickets for this thing, because it's a good lead in to you guys coming on. We just say you're honing your act for ship rock. Yes. Um, so Macabre is, uh, like you said, it's a live stream and we debuted it if January 1st of this year and, and it had great reception and I wasn't sure how people would think of it because I, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but um, it's kind of like a, if I were to describe it, oh gosh, um, like a really long visual album. Oh, it's an hour long visual album with the playlist and it's a storyline and it's all of the acts that we do that take you through from start to finish um, by way of this male character 
who I call him the antagonist. Um, he's kind of this seedy male, um, kind of rough around the edges type of guy. And he breaks down in the middle of the desert and, and he comes across the saloon and it's the only option for him. And he goes in and then all hell breaks loose and he's trying to find his way out. And it sounds like from dust till dawn. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit of um, like Dante's Inferno meets Dust Till Dawn meets Russ Meyer film. Like, yeah, like um, <laughs> Cirque du Soleil. Cirque du Soleil, uh, perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, and like I said before, Rob Zombie is is someone I really admire, um, and so his film work is something that was a huge influence in shooting this. Um, so I wanted that kind of grainy, raw, renegade feel, um, yeah. nothing too perfect looking or anything like that. But what yeah. Did you, so, what did you think of Lord of Salem? You know, I didn't like it as much as I wanted to, but I didn't hate it. It's like a Ken Russell film from the seventies. A little, yeah. Yeah. The storyline mm. was okay. It kind sure. of lost me there. I have not seen, um, three from hell. Mm-hmm. yet which i really want to um and and yeah but i'm um but i really love devil's rejects yeah well speaking of we just had bill mosley on two episodes ago oh cool uh, we went over all this so yeah it's a nice nice joiner here were you a fan of the films and then we had the star so that's great yeah. so this thing is going to play out I, I i the lovely shannon gunn sent us a little bit of a preview clip so we kind of got a, a short understanding on Cool. But it's I watched the I watched the first one too. Just uh, I got to see like the the preview clip of it as well. And then uh, I wasn't I wasn't home during the live stream and I couldn't find the restreams. <laughs> so, uh, oh no! But I did purchase a ticket and because uh, oh, I, I, I heard it was all storyline based. And as a person that's like fans of things like Beyonce's Lemonade and all those other different like moving picture um, albums and things like that, I wanted to like really hone in. Cool. Who's okay. playing the 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 lead? The, ma- the male lead or this guy that gets uh three three men are um oh, but I, I was like i don't know him three yeah <laughs> cool. so I, I shot it in a way where you don't actually see his face until the end um so when you see it it's actually three different guys playing this character and um i did that because when i was shooting it i wanted to do it from his um, perspective be, yeah. and I didn't want you to get too lost in what he was going to look like and I wanted it to translate onto a stage where the audience was the was the male character and we were performing to you I didn't want like a male character standing awkwardly on stage the whole time like reacting to everything I just that felt weird um so that's why that's I amazing that way. now are the actors that you were you're speaking of are they people that we might know of <laughs> one is my husband um my husband Corey Taylor. Uh, so he he was available, and um, you know it, it's like I, I attribute it to kind of like when you're in a band and you're shooting a music video, and you're like, man, we need a we need a girl in here. Okay, who's got a girlfriend? It's yeah. available. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it was very it felt very much like that. Like, hey, honey, I'm doing this project. I need you to just can you just fill in. And, and one of the girls, her boyfriends, did it as well. Um, so we were just kind of pulling like, sure, sure. and then, um, another one is, um, actually our male performer, which I've never brought in a male performer before. 
uh, into cherry bombs and he's a fire performer and he's the one that really takes you um, through it at the end there. Awesome. Yeah. Now is the male performer someone that you consider bringing into the group going forward? Or is it just specifically for this show? Right now um, he's, he, I brought him in because I specifically wrote this part for him. Gotcha. Um, I have two other shows kicking around in my head that I've written. Um, I don't know if, if that will include a male part right now or not. Um, I think it's interesting. I think it, it's unexpected and I think it, it adds a kind of a cool energy to the show. Um, so I don't know. I'll have to see, like, as I'm writing these shows, I'm fleshing them out. If it, if it, if it feels right in there. Let me, let me ask you, you're, so you, you produced, created, directed this thing, uh, come up with concepts and obviously the ideas start flowing. You're like, I've got these other ideas. How do you pace yourself on ideas? Cause I know a lot of creatives, they just want to knock this stuff out. Like, yeah, I got to get it out of my system. How do you pace yourself as a creative person with direction and everything else? And just kind of slowing the tempo of it down saying, Hey, I'm going to be patient about how I release these things. What's pacing? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we used to, well, we, you know, it's funny because it changes because it's so funny because we think about the seventies when bands like Kiss, we, who we mentioned before would put out two albums per year and then still tour eight months out of the year. And like, how the mm-hmm. fuck, you do that that's pacing i guess at that level but in pacing like this like we're gonna put out the show in january then i'll probably get around to one in maybe november and we'll put it out the next january and you just kind of make it a yearly thing or you go i gotta have it out by april i gotta have it out by october and then boom it's really hard to i think the hardest it is when you create something you're just you're just going all in balls to the wall and you just want to just, and it's like this thing inside of you, you just got to get out. But for me, I'm also a perfectionist and and it's a sick twisted thing to, to deal with because it's like, Oh man, like let's do this now. And like, let's change this a little bit. Like let's make this a little bit better. So um, I have to force myself to say, leave it, leave it, let it go, walk away, come back after you've slept and then look at it again from a different angle. And, and then I also do like to plan ahead in the year and think, okay, what's a good month to release this? How long can we promote this for? Cause my, that's when my business mind starts kicking in. So then I'm like, okay, we got this many weeks to promote. That's a good amount of time. Uh, release it here, keep promoting it here. And then we get, that can segue into like what we have um, like our YouTube series girl gang. So that's a nice, um, kind of seamless segue into that as well. So I'm always kind of doing this and thinking ahead, um, but it is difficult. Yeah. Hey, real quick, I want to get there. We're getting an immense amount of people that are a huge fans of yours and are looking very forward to seeing you on Ship um, Rock. So I just wanted to pass that along. So thank you guys for saying such nice things. Uh, but if you got any questions, we still have time here with Alicia. So please don't be shy. Come on, get those questions. I'll change the name up if you're shy. Just, you know, give me some questions. Anyway, Chad, do you want to, uh, what are we going to do with, with, uh, with Ms. Taylor here as far as the, uh, Mrs. Taylor, sorry, sometimes I screw that up. Um, uh, what are we going to do here as far as the, uh, I mean, if we're going to take some questions from, from, uh, from the fans, maybe we just do walk the plank and we'll bust out like a, we'll bust oh, out like fine. Well, I'm just saying, unless you have a question, I have a, what do you want to do, Alicia? Uh, no, listen, I have a question. Okay, 
what inspires you to dance? This is courtesy of Dawn. She wants to know what inspires you to dance. Currently inspires. Well, just, but, but, just in general. But we, just in general. Um, so dancing for me became my outlet um, emotionally. And um, it was a way to physically exert myself um, so that I could, I could essentially kind of level out. Um, so for me, it's like, it's very much a mental health, emotional thing. Um, if I'm not ex exhausted, um, with, with dance and performing or even just kicking around in the studio, you know, I'm not happy. I don't feel like myself. Um, and so really my health is what keeps me going. Good. Uh, one other question we had, uh, Karen wants to know, have you ever thought of doing a permanent show in Vegas or a residency? I get asked that one a lot. Um, I think if it was right um, financially, um, I've, I've went and visited some of the rooms here um, on the Strip, and it's really tough. Residencies are tough, man. Um, I've always kind of felt like maybe it would be better to go tour and be known all over the country if you can, and then come to Vegas because everybody comes to Vegas from, mm -hmm. from everywhere all over the country instead of doing it reverse. Mm -hmm. um, whereas you like start in Vegas and then, and then go out. Um, but I think if, I think if it were right, um, and I think if it felt right and maybe, maybe not a long-term one, but a short-term one, I, I would definitely consider it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Carl has a question. Um, Carl, oh, you want me to? Uh, so his question is actually, uh, if you could describe your, can you, oh, I should, okay. Can you describe your life in a six word sentence? In a six word sentence. He's very okay. stringent about, he's strict as fuck. That's, yeah. Um, right? Describe my life. Yep. My life is rad and chaotic. <laughs> Ooh, you hear that? You can't hear that because it's in my ears, but yeah, that's it. I'll tell. There you go. Thanks. It, <laughs> I love life. Life is super awesome. Um, that was very, uh, that was, that was a uh, very quick on the six words, much quicker than I was expecting. That. Yeah. I kind of surprised myself. I wasn't sure how that was going to pan out there. But luckily you have six fingers because that would have been luckily, really yeah. <laughs> I can count them. Well, if we're doing this game, Alicia, I'd like to know what do you think if you were today and I'm what would you think the last thought you'd have going through your head would be once you cross the grave? Whoa. That's deep. It's my shirt. My shirt's doing the asking the question. My Hawaiian shirt is asking that question. Oh, oh man. Question to get out of here. <laughs> My last thought. Yeah. Ever. Ever. Oof. Now you're talking about things that keep me up at night. Um, Let's just throw this one on the fire then. <laughs> yeah, just, just push me in. Um, is that I hope the people in my life know that I love them and always will. Well, okay. There you go. No, that's amazing. That's, uh, that's all we really want to know. Hey, look, uh, you know what? This isn't about me. It's about how I felt about you guys. Um, so yeah, that's great. 
we'd love to know if where people can go ahead and purchase tickets from Macabre. And then also any kind of like where they can obviously find you on IG and everything like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, we have not started promoting Macabre for October yet, but we will. And you will be able to find all the information on how to stream it, how to watch it and how to get things like a director's cut or a um, behind the scenes cut of it as well on our socials. So be sure to follow Cherry Bombs Official on Instagram and Facebook and Cherry Bombs Rock on Twitter. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. This has been really a lot of fun. Uh, guys, make sure and check out the full podcast and YouTube Spectacular come this Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern time. We'll have that up there and also on all streaming platforms. Alicia, thank you so much for your time. Uh, congratulations so and everything. We look forward to obviously seeing you in January and good luck on the uh, the Knotfest LA coming up here. And I think it's November, correct? Yes, November. Fantastic. Thank you so All much right. for having me. And please give a ship rock I'll hello to your yeah. please give a okay. ship rock hello to your other half. And uh, yes. obviously we'll look forward to seeing you both at some point. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again. Thank you Thank Everyone, you. guys, thank you. Before we leave, we want to obviously give a quick shout out to the team that puts this together, including our producer, Alan Koenig, our show engineer, Jennifer Zito, show coordinator, Heather Smith, and the captain, Alan Koenig. And uh, I'm Justin, my co-host here, Chad, also the host of Ship Rock 2022. So, well, thank you again. We'll see you guys next week. Again, Alicia, thanks so much. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday.